morning, everyone. Hey, guys. I'm really pumped for next week. You know, sorry, can I just free will for a couple of minutes? The reason we ended worship a little bit short is because we're going to end off with communion today, and we want to create a bit of space. I want to rush through that, but I'm going to take a couple of minutes just to free will up front if I can. We've been preaching this series through um, Romans. We've got one week left. The one gift left that we haven't spoken about is the gift of prophecy. And Center Church has got this incredible DNA, or um, I'm trying to think of the word. Before this church was even planted, um, I went to a pastor's shindig. It was in 2015. I, I don't really know what you call it. Sometimes getting a group of pastors together in a room is like, it's horrific. It's the worst thing, right? But anyway, so there was a pastor's shindig, and it was in KZN. And where we were staying at the time, end of 2015, we planted Center Church in 2016. So it was like in the September, and there was like this prophetic team there. And they were busy sharing, and I was there to say cheers to everyone in KZN, and they were saying like, you know, good luck, don't get shot, because they knew we were coming up to Gauteng, and they were all like stressed about us. And um, while I was there, um, someone prophesied, actually two people prophesied over Center Church. And they said that Center Church, there is a grace over this, there will be a grace over this church. Now, there was no one in this church except for Cindy and I at that time, and we weren't even in that church yet. I don't even think we had a name yet, did we? I don't think we had the name yet or anything like that. We didn't know where we were going to meet, nothing. It was all concept in the heart of God, right? It was a twinkle in our Father's eye. And... Um, this, the, the guys who were prophesying prophesied this, that there would be a grace over this house to see fossilized bones, fossilized bones come back to life. Now, that it references a, a text from the book of Ezekiel where it's talking about, is he, the prophet Ezekiel sees these dry bones and he speaks to the dry bones because he says, can they live? And then he speaks to these dry bones and then God puts them together and eventually God breathes life into them and they become this mighty army. Something that people look at as dead. God looks at it and he goes, come on, I haven't even got started yet. And then the pr- prophetic word of this church was that there would be a grace over this house to speak to fossilized bones. Men and women who've maybe been Christians and served in churches and they, they love the Lord, but they struggle with church because they've been hurt. And God would take people like that who... Who, who say stuff like, I really love Jesus, but yo, when it comes to the church, oof, I don't know, man, because there's just too much people or too much humanity in the church. If Jesus himself led the church, I'm there. But the problem is, it's the people he's given the responsibility to that I'm struggling with. And what we have seen over time, that prophetic word has shaped this church, like completely. Some of the fossilized bones who were fossilized, who are no longer fossilized. You are now monsters with meat on you, and you live. Many of us are sitting in this room today. And the, the power of the prophetic is so helpful because, we, you know, when you first plant a church, you think to yourself, what we're going to do is, you know, we're going to see, we're going to go to, like, the druggies, you know, because I'm an ex-druggie, whatever, you know, like, and we're going to see all the druggies saved, and no one ever knew Jesus, and God's like, yeah, but I'm going to send you burnt-out, hurt Christians, a church for Christians. What a novel concept. Like, but how does it work? And, but, but 
But I'm telling you guys, like if you had to know the stories in this room, if you, if you knew the stories in this room, you would know how profound that prophetic word was. But then what God has also said is, I'm, I'm going to send you these, these fossilized bones. I'm sending you these five talents, but one day I'm going to ask for them back. And I want 10 talents when, when I ask for them back. And so then we, and it sucks because if you've also been here for any length of time, you know people come for a season and then God calls people. And guys go all over the world. We prayed for people from this church a few, um, a couple of months ago at a prayer meeting. And we literally had videos coming in from every continent on the, on the planet. That's, God has sent people from this church to every continent in the world. And so all of that to say that sometimes we have the privilege of those that we've sent, we have the privilege of them coming back to come and minister. And Nadine, who's ministering next weekend, was a properly fossilized bone when she arrived. Didn't believe that she could preach didn't believe, like just people had said stuff over her, but Nadine, like if you knew the restoration God's brought to her life, and if you knew what she's become in her prophetic gift, it is off the wazinga, like next level. And so we have this incredible privilege of inviting her back in. She was part of our preaching team when she was here at the church. So Nades is going to be with us next weekend. And guys, God has got an appointment with us next weekend. So I hope your heart is really excited and really open to that. That's my little preface if I can. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 103. And we're going to be reading from verse 1. Psalm 103. It's like Chalky said, um, it's Thanksgiving Sunday. So we're going to preach about Thanksgiving and then have a wonderful time of communion together. Psalm 103 from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Anyone can hear the tune in your head? Whatever. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm just going to read the second part of that again because it's amazing. Who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If I can just quickly zoom in on the one thing. Redeems your life from the pit, Right? It's talking there in the Old Testament about slaves would, if you'd done, maybe you'd gotten into debt or you'd gotten into whatever situation, now you were a slave, kept in a pit. And it was kind of like a life for a life, money for money. For money. So what happens there is he's saying someone came, looked in that pit, saw someone whose life was worthwhile and, and paid. Jesus paid with his life, but this is pre-Jesus pre coming. So David's saying someone came and looked at something that everyone else considered to be worthless because they'd given it away and just saw it as a slave and redeemed that life. Redemption means like restoring back to its original position. That's how, so when David writes this, because David did all, all kinds of stuff in his life, right? He was, he was a guy who was big on, big on love, big on sin, big on a lot of issues in his life as he walked out his life. 
and he knew that God had been so intricate, intricately involved in his life. And so today I'd like to talk a little bit, thanks babe, <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about the discipline of thanksgiving. And it's such a weird thing, but I've honestly come to see this as I've walked with Jesus for, the, for quite a long time now. Thanksgiving is probably, if not the most important discipline we have as a Christian, it's right up there as a discipline. And that might sound so weird, because when we think of Thanksgiving, maybe we think of, you know, the um, pinata and the hat and the balloons and you must. Yes, you must, because it's so important. So I've got a few short points and then we're going to have communion together today. So my first point this morning is this, that thanksgiving or thankfulness is the great revealer. And this is really, really important. You know, we thank people when we consider what they have done to be valuable. You say thank you when someone has done something valuable. When there is no thanksgiving, it's because I don't consider anyone to have done anything valuable. And so, when I have a look at my life as a Christian, if there is a lack of thanksgiving, it kind of is a little bit of a flag. It reveals what's really going on inside of my heart. Because you know the only person you don't thank is yourself. And if I am the source of everything in my life, there will be very little thanksgiving in my heart. But if I know that God is the one, and if I know that God has sent others into my life, my life will overflow with thanksgiving. It is the great revealer of what's really going on. Because we can con ourselves and tell ourselves but that's why it's such an important discipline. If you had to stop for a second, and at the, every sing, at the end of every one of these points, I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to ask us to take out our phones or a piece of paper, and I'm going to ask us to write down something we're thankful for. So it's going to be at least four things today. But I'm starting with this thing, because if I'm struggling to go, I have nothing to be thankful for. Friends, it reveals something that's really going on inside of my heart, because it shows that I am my source. It is the great revealer. You know, this church, the Church of Jesus, but specifically Center Church, still takes my breath away like crazy, like totally. I, it's I, I just, yesterday we had Vos, anyway, I'll talk about Vos later, but like, just to be here, arrive in the morning and chatting to um, the guys downstairs making coffee and eating a, a chocolate chip cookie and just being together, I'm like, this is so beautiful that there is this space. But if I ever, I'm just letting you know, if I ever paused for a second, thought to myself, yo, babe, so this is what we've built. And I, I forgot that Jesus was the one who did this. I would die under the weight of expectation. I would die under the weight of pressure. I would die under the weight of having to stand in front of Jesus one day and go, what did you do with everyone who was in the room? And friends, we weren't created to live with the pressure of our whole destiny on ourselves. You aren't designed for that. The, the, you know, I read a, a survey when I was prepping for this. There is a direct correlation between stress and thankfulness. A direct correlation between it. People who live thankful for what they have suffer less stress, less cortisol, less all these bad juices in your body. People who are grateful and thankful 
And friends, as Christians, when we know that He has our future in His hands, when we know that He's called us and given us gifts of one another to each other, when I know that I don't walk alone, when I know that to be true, I can breathe. We weren't created to live with it all on our, on our, on our souls. Share a quick testimony. So, Ian, last, when was it, bro? Like about three months ago, four months ago. Ian suffered an accident at work and tore, tore the tendon in his bicep, but like, and the doctor told him that it was torn right off. So they told, yeah, so it wasn't completely off, but they told him he torn this, torn the tendon in his bicep. And the prognosis was not great. I mean, when, when I went to see Ian, like his arm was down, like he couldn't really move his arm much. It was really bad. So what Ian's response was, he set up a WhatsApp group. Okay, I'm just letting, this is what he did. He set up a WhatsApp group. He named the WhatsApp group after the text in, this, in Scripture that says, if you're sick, you phone the elders and they come anoint you with oil and pray for you. He called the group that. He added all the elders and he was like, you need to come pray for me. I cannot carry this myself. Remember that conversation we had, bro? It was like late at night. It was like 10 o'clock. We were backwards and forwards. And Ian's just like, I can't carry this myself. And so we dutifully went around and we anointed him with oil. And the thing's growing back and stronger now, right? And God's done something amazing there. But friends, what are we carrying ourselves Thanksgiving is the great revealer. Who are we leaning on? Because now there's a testimony, right? Now this God is so good. How do I know? Not because I heard what he did for someone else or I saw a post on Facebook or I, I read it in a book somewhere about a, you know, a book of miracles from the, the 1800s. I know because last week, the week before that, last month, this is what God did for me. Thanksgiving is the great revealer. Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we who are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through the generations. It's oftentimes, I'm like, when I'm struggling to connect with God, I'm like, I feel just like there's this little bit of distance. It's, I can't enter his courts because I'm not, there's no gratefulness. There's just entitlement or expectation. Do you know it's possible to come to God with our requests with thankfulness? Because we're saying this, it's the true essence of worship. I could go anywhere, but I have realized that there is one river. There is one source. There is only one who can help. <laughs> That's exactly what she said in that text. It's like, if God doesn't come through, that's stuffed. And that's exactly the way it should be. Like, I'm coming to you as the one river because there's no one else I can go to. And so there's this joyful expectation and thanksgiving that he is the one who's going to come through. The great revealer. I don't think the world needs any more ungrateful Christians. 
I said, ach, yeah, U-G-G-H-H. Christians, give thanks for what? Be grateful for what? It's a very, very dangerous place to be in, friends, because when things go sideways, we are on our own. We carry the weight of everything ourselves. Thanksgiving reveals the true state of our heart. James writes in James chapter 1, verse 16, Don't be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Another translation says that he has no shadow of turning. In other words, God doesn't have a back. He never has his back towards you. He isn't like us. He is, he is always this way towards us, always watching us. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. And that's the revealer. Do I recognize them as from his hand? Or do I see them as, I was lucky. I worked hard for this. I deserve this. Because it feeds our ego for a season. But in the long term, it's a strain too much for a human to bear. So can I ask you this? Take out your phone. I want you to write down something. Just something to be grateful for. What has God done? Just something. It can be over the course of this year. Maybe something that we didn't attribute to him. Maybe just a little rethink. Something that I, I attributed to a person or to a circumstance or to, I don't know, whatever, the weather. Just to write it down for a second. Just something. Something to be thankful for, that we are truly grateful for. I mean, oxygen's at the top of the list, right? And then gammon at Christmas time. Christmas cake. In the light of gammon, what chance does a turkey have? That dry, horrible, desiccated bird. We should leave the poor turkeys alone. Good stuff. I am grateful in advance for mince pies. I don't know if I've said this before. Don't you think? I think I'm freewheeling, but you're writing. Christmas cake is the most polarizing food on the planet. I've never met anyone who says, eh, Christmas cake. They're either like, I love it or I hate it. This is. I can eat, you know, after Christmas when they have like the half price special on the Christmas cake, I buy those blocks and eat them just like, this is so nice. And then some people look at me and they're like, oh, you crazy. It's so disgusting. It says fruit cake, but. Anyway. Now that I've stirred up thankfulness and gratefulness, right? We've got some stuff. Next one. So it is the great revealer, right? The second thing is that thankfulness undoes the deception of the world that we live in. It, it just cuts through all the deception. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about everything, about anything. But in prayer and supplication, and so often we, we just, it says, with prayer and supplication, with Thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, and then this is the result of that. Because have you ever come to God and prayed, like, Lord, and you're laying down your request, but there's no peace that follows it. This is like, God help. That's kind of the whole prayer. God help. I don't have any more words. Just God help. But when we pray 
and we present our prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, it's the thanksgiving that takes it from a desperate plea to a, there's peace in it, because I know that God is good. I'm thanking him for his goodness already. I think one of the enemy's primary roles, primary roles or points of attack on the church is to try and convince us that God is a miser, that God is stingy, that God is out to, he's, he's got these two sets of scales in our world and he's constantly weighing up whether we've done right or wrong. I've used this example before, but it's the thing, you know, when you arrive at the parking, you arrive at spa and you had a quiet time in the morning, so you know that there's going to be a parking close by the entrance. But if you haven't had a quiet time for a couple of days, you just park far away because you know that the Lord is not for me at the moment. I have not been a faithful son. Hey, let's be honest, <laughs> right? You see it the way he spoke to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? Is he really like that? Is that really what he's like? And he's constantly trying to paint this, this evil picture of God as the stingy, closed-handed person. Tries to deceive us that there's not enough provision for the future. So husbands, get the second, third, fourth, fifth job. Work the extra hours. Put it because it's on you. Doesn't matter what the what the family struggling like. It's on you. The Lord helps those who help themselves. You know that's not in the Bible, right? That was Abraham Lincoln who said that. The deception of not having enough influence. We buy into this. So the Christians like pick me, pick me, pick me in their world, in their business, in their lives. Because God isn't going to open a door for you. Do something. Cut corners. Do whatever it takes. Deception of not enough gifting. You're not really good enough. Just talk it up a little bit more. Maybe be a little bit deceitful. Like just compare. Copy somebody else. You're not really good enough. Just yourself. Painting God out to be this miser. Not enough experience. I remember saying this to an older Christian when I first got saved. There was someone who was sick, and um, he asked me to come and pray with him, with him for this person. I was like, oh, I don't actually know enough. And he just looked at me. He's like, "What are you talking about?" It's like, "No, I don't have enough experience. Like I didn't know the words to the spell." didn't know how to do it scripture says go into all the world preach the gospel lay hands on the sick and so often we can write ourselves off and the enemy's accusations do he paints God out to be this miser he paints our worlds out to be so so small but the crazy thing is if I look at the stories of people in this room God has taken hold of so many of us, friends, and we have accomplished things that blew our minds when it happened. And God is still wanting to do the same through us. And that is worth thanking him for. So I'm going to pick on another person for a moment. Charlie, can I? Can 
going to pick on you for a sec. You know, Charles got saved at Center Church in like the first year, bro. Upstairs with the dead cat room, if you know what that was. <laughs> we found a dead cat skeleton in that building. But um, Charles has been on this incredible journey. I've watched him. And it's like the enemy has had this go at him around the security and provision and provide for his family and be a husband. And, and it's, it's been like this war. And I was driving with him two day, yesterday. Yesterday. And we're driving in the car and Charles is like, you know, bro, he's like, I do this amount of work, God provides. Then this amount of work comes in, and God provides. And then that amount of work comes, and God provides. Just the weights on him. And I'm like, this is something supernatural that God has done. Because in ourselves, we do the maths, friends. Charles is here. He does the math, right? Like he knows the stuff. But when you know that God is not a miser, when you see through the lies of the enemy, the deception of the enemy, and you see that God is the one who is over all, through all, in control, when you see it for what it is, and the way we do that is through thanksgiving because I go looking for the hand of God. Because when I'm looking to give thanks, I have to look for something to give thanks for. And it, it parts the clouds of deception. And that peace, bro, like, I went in the car yesterday, I was like, shit, but this is so incredible. It's so true. But how do you, you can't drum that up in yourself. You can't try and make that happen. It's something that God does supernaturally. And if you need peace around that area of provision, you need to ask Charles to lay hands on you and pray for you. Seriously, because it's beautiful. <laughs> So I'd like to ask you, around this area, around the deception, can you take out your phone and write something down? Is there any area where the enemy has lied to you, friend, today? Be, be grateful, be thankful. What is the thing? What, what is the truth? And often it's the areas of fear. Today. Something you are truly grateful for. Undoing the deception. Okay, a couple more, then we're done. Third one is this thankfulness, gratefulness is the great encourager. It's sort of like the last one but it reveals the hand of God in our lives. It's not just takes away the deception, but it actually shows us where God's hand is. You know, as I've grown a little bit in my faith, there's two things people often ask me. What does God's voice sound like? And what does God's hand look like in my world? And I never knew, I never used to know how to answer those questions, but I have a definitive answer for both of those questions, 100%. If you want to know what God's voice sounds like, read your Bible. I'm not being funny. You get to know the tone of his voice. If you want to know what his voice sounds like, it's he gave us 66 books. You'll learn the pitch of his voice. You'll learn the intonation of his voice. And then you will recognize it in your life. 
Just listen. And, and like, I can tell you if Cindy has written a letter or not, if it was Cindy or someone else who wrote the letter, because I know her voice. And the second thing is this. If you want to know what God's hand looks like in your life, develop this culture of thankfulness because as you begin to thank him and see and recognize him, he did that. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Lord, thank you for what you've done. You begin to see his hand more obviously in your life. It is a tool given us to recognize God's hand in our lives. And then all of a sudden, as I walk into my life, I can, God's at work here. God's at work in this person's life. Ren shares a testimony with me and I'm like, he's just telling me a story of what happened to him in his life. He's not like trying to be all... Hallelujah, brother, today I saw the Lord descend on me. Hallelujah. Nothing. He's just like telling me a story of what's happened in his life. And I see God. It opens my eyes to the supernatural. It is the great encourager. Thankfulness. One Chronicles 16:34. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So I've got a friend, I think Gray's downstairs with the kitty doodles. Graham is in our home group, Graham and Abs. Graham thinks that he is God's favorite kid. And when you look at his life, it's hard to disagree. <laughs> no matter what he does, like, God's there. And it's ridiculous. It is the most unfair thing you've ever seen in your life. But you know what? Someone who has cultivated a lifestyle of seeing God at work and thanking him for it. Because when you say to Graham, wow, bro, that's a, he is the first guy to go, hey, God's been so good. Not in a, a weird religious way. Just in an honest, like, but this is what God has done. Like, uh, oh, do you actually believe your Bible or not? Because the Bible actually says that he would do this for us. So I don't know why this is such a marvel to you. That's his, his honest position and stuff. It's the most simple, honest approach to Scripture you've seen. That's how we live. And we begin to see God's hand at work. Thankfulness, number four, breaks down the walls of independence and isolation. The tragedy of a life with no thanksgiving is a life that becomes all about itself. The walls that we put up to feed our ego become the walls that trap us in and shut other people out. You spend time with a great, how hard is it to spend time with someone who is grateful and thankful? It's the most easy thing in the world. But someone who is stressed, whose life is all about themselves, just their worlds become shut off from others. Because there isn't space for other people. Because they just get in the way. I mentioned Vomery. We had Vo's memorial. For those of you who don't know, Vo was part of this church. She was in Abu Dhabi for the last year. She was on our preaching team. Incredible lady. Vo lived her life loving other people. If you'd heard the stories about her yesterday, it would have blown your mind. Just someone who lived their life that way. And there's a, there's a temptation when you've opened your heart to people and then they pass away. You go, I'm not going to open my heart again because it's too sore, right? But, when you, but with Vo, it's like, I'm both challenged by the way she lived her life, and I'm also looking to go, my life is so much richer for having known her. I want to look for other people who can also challenge me and make my life bigger and make me not so stuck and small all about myself. 
and thankfulness. When you look at other people as gifts given to you by God, Lord, thank you for, thank you for Chalky and Nicolene. Thank you for Tanil. Thank you for these friends that you've put in my life. I appreciate them so much. It helps me to overlook their wrinkles and their warts and their mistakes because I'm just as hard for them as they are for me. But I'm thankful to God for the gift that they are to me. That's why we do connect group like we do. Like Craigie, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what that connect group is in Boss Crane. It's like just guys are grateful to be together. When Wilfred came to home group for the first time, Wilfred's like, what? You mean there's more than just Sunday? We, every week, we, we get to hang out and eat cake and share about Jesus and pray. Like, and it's so beautiful because sometimes as Christians who've been on the road for a long time, we become jaded. We forget to be thankful for what God has given us. Grateful to God for those that he has put around us. One Thessalonians 5:18, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's the like this is one of the key disciplines, friends. Like you've got to have, you have this thing running on. This program has to be running, otherwise the whole program doesn't work. Nothing works. So I wonder if you can take a moment. To write down someone that you're thankful for, a person, someone. This is, for God so loved the world that he didn't send a solution, he didn't send an angel, he sent his son. That's how much God loved us. And for God so loves us, friends, that he knits us into a local church and he gives us one another. It's crazy. For God so loves us so much that we go in those men's, men's dads and kids nights away, right? Like those times together. So beautiful. And then finish with us and we're going to have communion. Are you worried, babe? Thankfulness always leads to a river running out of us. The gospel, love, compassion, care, service. You know Juanita who was busy singing here? If you knew what it has taken for Juanita to go from where she was when she joined the church to standing here, not just reciting songs, but worshiping Jesus and serving this church through her gift. Not out of a performance thing. Not out of a, I've now achieved something. But God, you've been so good to me. Thank you for what you've done. The least I can do is bring what I have. And it's that thing that sets us free, right? Because it's not about us. God has been so good to me. So with what I have in my hands, hey, I'll bring it to you. And I'll do my best with what I have. It always, thankfulness always leads to an outflow, friends. Always, always, always leads to an outflow. It takes away the pressure of performance. It takes away the pressure of trying to look good. It takes away all of that. And it just leads to this genuine heart of Jesus. Lord, you have been so good to me. Can I be the same to others? Let me be a river. And so the last 
thing I'd like us to write down just before we finish. There's someone at the moment that you're trusting for a breakthrough in their life right now. It could be someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. It could be someone who doesn't know Jesus but is just really struggling. I want you to write their name down. And then I just want you to write next to that person, Lord, thank you for this person. Thank you for this person. Because, friends, that's where it starts. Thank you for bringing this person into my life. Thank you for the responsibility of being a light into their world. But thank you, Lord God, that you have me on your mission. Thank you that I'm not just a placeholder. Thank you that I don't just have a, a somewhere to sit, but you have a mission and a plan and a purpose for me. Thank you for, this, thank you for these people, this person that you brought into my world. Thank you so much for joining us. If you think you're about taking this further, you can follow us on our website. There you will find access to our previous sermons, our banking details, or if you just want to contact us. If you consider yourself to be part of Centre Church, we'd just like to thank you for your continuous support and partnership. Have a sick day. Wherever I go.